Hello and welcome to the DeFi Daily, a 10 minute or less DeFi and crypto update. I'm Amy here with Pat and today is Thursday, September 16th, 2021. Markets are generally off. Uh, the overall crypto market cap is off 1.3% to $2.17 trillion. Bitcoin is off half a percent to 48,000. Ethereum's off 2% to 3,500. Cardano off 2% to 200 to 2.42. Uh, I don't know. Other things of note: Solana off six and a half percent to one dollar to one hundred forty nine dollars. Man, this is, I'm just I'm just messing this up all over the place. Doge is up, of course, because why not? Doge is up five percent to twenty five cents. Uh, Luna up uh, just under a percent to uh, thirty six dollars. That's a pretty good day. Oh, Avalanche, well, rocking and rolling. They just, they raised a bunch of money today, so they saw a big a big pop of ten uh, percent to sixty five dollars and twenty three cents. Bitwave is sponsored by, I'm sorry, the DeFi Daily is sponsored by Bitwave. Bitwave is a digital asset management platform that does crypto and DeFi tax tracking, accounting, and bookkeeping. Check them out online at bitwave.io or on Twitter at Bitwave Platform. So up first, a researcher on Reddit looked at the staking and unstaking requests from Solana, and it looks like it was not too bad. Yeah, you know, I, so I threw this story on the on the pod today just because, you know, it's it's not, this isn't like the craziest research ever. This isn't the most deep, uh, insightful thing anyone's ever looked at. Uh, it, it's certainly not the most well-written thing. It's a, the Solana, the Solana uh, uh, Reddit tends to be a little bit uh, high echo chamber, but all crypto reds tend to be a, a little bit echo chamber, but... But it was actually a genuinely interesting way to do an analysis because I, for me, for my part, I am genuinely curious of this is the worst network outage that we've seen in a very long time. Like we've seen hacks and generally like you, you know, remember the whole yam debacle and then that just went to zero. I mean, like literally we tend to see really, really tough in the DeFi world. We see very harsh repercussions for, for these types of things happening. So I was really curious what that would, what would happen with a with a network uh, network level uh, attack and, and failure like that. So I've been watching it across the board. I've been watching the Solana token. We were I was watching this kind of stuff. Uh, the Reddit user went out and did it, and, and essentially there was something like four thousand unstaking requests up against nine thousand new. So the way the way staking works is you basically opt in or opt out of staking for a particular epoch, and the epoch is going to be. I'm not sure what the epoch time for Solana is for like Ethereum two. The epoch time is. Uh, 10 minutes, I think, maybe maybe a little bit longer, but it's, it's pretty short. Like the epochs are not long. So you, you basically are making a statement like, hey, I want to I want to opt in or I want to opt out of st- for staking my tokens to to uh, to Solana. And the the number of stakes, uh, the wallets that were staking went um, went down, uh, but then it kind of recovered relatively quickly. So it ended up being pretty stable. And I think that if you were really now, those are going to be the true believers. So those are the people who would who, who believe in the network and, and will probably bear with it. Um, the other thing to look at is sort of the price movement in Solana. So that was super interesting. There was a lot of debate during the 17-hour period in the in the in the kind of a uh, uh, world circles that I run in about what it what what was going to happen. Like it's not entirely clear what would happen when when Solana came back online. Like none of the AMMs that are out there, none of the liquidity pools, none of the lending pools are designed for there to be long outages where. The, where a secondary network gets out of sync with kind of the rest of the world. So you think about the different things that came out of sync. So for instance, uh, the Oracle, Oracles would have gotten out of sync on Solana. So the price, the true price of a particular asset would have been out of sync with the actual the actual price of the asset on the rest of the blockchain. Um, AMMs uh, require people trading for the AMMs to move. And so if you shut down the network, then the AMMs are pegged at the last the last exchange rate that they basically held which was 170 for the Solana token. 
So anyone, so so essentially, the moment that the Solana network got turned back on, there was a rush for people to basically sell their tokens at the one seventy, and then they could just rebuy them at one fifty once the the price is kind of uh, um, uh, 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 equalized. So it was just a super like it was a really interesting period. There uh, there was also there was discussion that there would be massive liquidations because of the the pricing differences and the the way the oracles work. None of that really happened. It was actually a relatively mellow. It was actually a relatively mellow mellow day. I mean, besides the 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 networks were very slowly coming back online. So really interesting. Doesn't seem like Solana's been punished punished too bad about it. Uh, it did look like Coinbase up until today was still limiting deposits and withdrawals. So there might be some sort of third party interference happening to keep a major price run from happening, which I find fascinating. But but overall, seems like Solana's weathered it pretty well. Yeah, that's great. So next, Pat mentioned it at the top, but Polychain Capital and Three Arrows co-lead a $230 million investment into Avalanche. Uh, I, uh, I, I spoiled. Sorry, spoiler, spoiler. alert. Retroactive spoiler alert. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Avalanche raised $230 million today. Great for them. It's a great product. They own 60% of the L2 market. It's going to be it's going to be massive. Um, I, you know, it's a super... We talked about this in one of the last pods, which was that there's a really narrow window right now where L2s are are just able to capitalize massively. Um, it's not clear what happens uh, once Ethereum 2 launches. I think a lot of people don't think Ethereum 2 is going to launch. I mean, honestly, like I, I talk to people, a- Amy and I, as as part of our work with Bitwave, like we talk to people all day long who are deep in this space. And uh, I would say half the people I talk to, maybe a little bit less, but there's a big chunk of them genuinely don't really think that ethereum is gonna ethereum 2 is gonna launch uh, and i i i uh i i i think it is gonna launch like i think these i think it's one of those things that like humans are really bad at like understanding why things take a long time when things take a long time people don't like that and this is a great example of that because it is genuinely blockchains are a genuinely difficult thing to to launch this the work for ethereum 2.0 is a is genuinely difficult launch there's been two or three major outages on the eth 2.0 chain and and the whole point of doing this super long kind of burn in period is to find bugs like that. So uh, it, this is this is great. Um, so anyway, so so good on Avalanche. Two hundred thirty million dollars is a lot of money. I mean, Jesus, like, dude, if you, it, it's essentially impossible for a startup to kind of spend that money. I mean, they're like a six month old startup at this point, or maybe like a year or two. Like, it's yeah. they are such a young startup. What are they gonna What are they gonna spend their money on? Uh, like, you literally have to hire an engineer every every hour for the next six months to even get remotely close to like probably $20 million of burn. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. So, so th- it's one of the questions is like, how do you spend that much money? And, and, but you know, whatever, maybe they took some money off the table. Maybe the founders gave themselves bonuses, you know, whatever, whatever they did kind of makes sense from that side, but it is, it is interesting. Next 1.2 billion in ether was withdrawn from centralized exchanges in a record outflow. Yeah, this is super interesting. I, we just like to talk about these because these are, uh, People, people pick up signals from these things. So when you see a lot of money moving away from the exchanges, that usually is a, is a I like to call it like a hodling sign. That's basically people moving into hardware wallets or paper wallets or cold storage, moving it away from the exchanges, which is to say that they are not anticipating selling it, which is to say the market themselves, because we are the market. There's a Michael Jackson song about that, I think. Um, <laughs> There's uh the you know the they're moving the money away and and not going to spend it so that the market is going to go up and so that, so that means people are expecting the market to go up and then it does go up because what people expect to do is what it does because we are the market so anyways long story short uh bullish bullish sign on Ethereum to have to have massive movements away from exchanges that's great yeah. and I think actually 
I bet that's related to Solana. I mean, honestly, everyone who's holding Ethereum is kind of like sitting there kind of a little bit shaky being like, hey, you got Cardano, you got Algorand, you got Solana, like you got all these people out there, they're all fighting for the crown. But at the end of the day, it's been a long time since Ethereum's had a 17-hour uh, network outage. I don't think it actually ever did have one like that. So, you know, uh, Ethereum just keeps being kind of like, people are like, they see that like, oh, okay, no, I think we're still good with Ethereum. Yeah. All right. And last, Pat, South Korea. Yeah, South Korea is in the news. And this is uh, something near to do my heart because it's about crypto taxation. Uh, essentially, the ruling party in, in uh, South Korea passed a law that was going to, uh, that you know, I don't speak I don't speak Korean, so unfortunately, I, I can only read the translations. And the translations around tax stuff like this is always incredibly imprecise. So it said they're implementing a law that's twenty percent tra- tax on crypto transactions, which is not that's not a thing. Like you either have you either are applying like a twenty percent additional tax on crypto capital gains. You're playing. You're you're raising the the income tax by twenty percent. There's there's not a thing where crypto transactions by themselves get taxed, but maybe there is. I mean, that's that's why it was sort of hard to read about this. But at a high level, there's a there they want to raise the tax there. That then in order to Im- implement that. So when I when I read about this part, I, I'm pretty sure they meant on capital gains. So essentially, crypto capital gains they want to tax an additional twenty percent rate. When I read that, then so then that led to a knock on effect is that they had to pass legislation. It's impossible to track. I mean, look at Bitwave does this. It is very difficult to track crypto capital gains. If you are trying to enforce that from from a country level, people just won't do it. (laughs) And so they're essentially relying on the exchanges. So they passed this new licensing mechanism for their exchanges where the the exchanges had to register as traders, uh, as as exchanges, and then had to agree to do all the the regulatory compliance, you know, what in the United States would be 1099B reporting work. So uh, that then has then caused a lot of, exchanges who were not able to get that work done that's a that's a rent seeking mechanism to now have to shutter until they finish getting that work done which then has caused a big major downward pressure on what people are calling kimchi coins which is i don't know i'm not south korean so i can't it seems super offensive like it's one of those words like you say and you're like that doesn't seem right like i probably shouldn't be saying that but i do love kimchi though i do love kimchi it's like it's like that's not offensive i don't know but Anyway, so there's been this. So all, there's a bunch of uh, homegrown ERC twenty tokens and, and tokens in South Korea. This is put. They, they were mostly being traded on the the second tier exchanges. So this has put massive downward pressure on all those. So you know these things have knock on effects. Like when you do these things, the knock on effects are regulatory ambiguity. You have pushback from the different people, and then of course you you hurt you stifle innovation. I mean, at the end of the day, there are a lot of people in South Korea who were working on interesting products that that now have less money to work on them. And are being punished because the government wanted to to sort of tax like a windfall law. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It never never makes me happy. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. Thank you as always for listening to the DeFi Daily. All right. Have a good one.